welcome to episode three of the COO's Corner podcast. Today we are discussing the topic, optimizing talent for operational success. COOs play a very important role in organizations, and I believe that they are the heart of the organization. I also believe that people are at the core. Both work together to create the best outcomes within the organization. However, talent optimization is a real sore point in many organizations today. And many wonder, how can this be achieved? And what are the strategies that they can employ? In this episode, we're gonna unpack the topic with Sarah Koenig. Sarah Koenig is a performance expert, bringing 20 plus years of experience in building systems and executions that drive performance and growth. And she wears many hats and is the founder of Optimize Advisory, where she serves as a remote or a fractional COO to small and medium-sized organizations. And she's also a positive intelligence coach to help individuals and teams to perform to their fullest potential. Sarah started her career as an attorney and has you know, early experiences in labor and employment law. And she eventually settled into estate and business planning for high-end net worth clients. She is definitely the person to talk to on this topic. So please get your pens out for these gems and stay tuned. Sarah, welcome. I'm so excited. Yes, welcome. So excited to have you on our program today. I I met Sarah through mutual connections on LinkedIn a few months ago. And all they said to me was, Tamar, she's phenomenal. And I couldn't agree with them more. And by the end of this session or this interview, you'll see why, right? I have so many questions for Sarah um, in this short time together. So let's see how much, you know, we can get in. So I I really came up with this topic, um, you know, or the need for this topic after speaking to a COO who was having severe operational issues and you know, it was affecting their output, their profits, morale. And the, the discussion pointed to er, all areas of the business ec- except, you know, the people. But then I asked the question, you know, to the COO privately, what's keeping you up at night? And his response was the people. Sarah, talent optimization is a pain pain point for many. My first question, as we start to break down this topic, is exactly what is talent optimization and how can this lead to operational success? It's a great question to start with. And and I'd say that talent optimization is not only answering the big questions that are always front and center, which is how do we get the people we need? How do we keep the people we need? But it's really at its core, the forgotten questions of how do we make the best of everything that's available to us from a human resources perspective? And as you mentioned, that 
the people are really important to all of the operations going well, and they are at the core of the business. And with that in mind, we have to make sure that we're giving that particular resource all of the attention that it needs. Thank you, Sarah. And this is definitely something that, especially in small businesses, Sarah, that is kind of hard to do, giving them all the attention that they need. Um, you know, what can you know, businesses or COOs, CEOs do to ensure that persons are getting this attention to optimize their operations and the talent within their, their organizations? So much of what people need, you know, we can look at this from a couple of different perspectives. As leaders, we're constantly thinking about a variety of things, but we've also been in the position where we were the team member. We were one of the employees, and there is a perspective there. Um, it's often just a, a great thing to do to think back to when we were one of the team members, one of the employees as we were developing in our career and really think about the types of things that we wanted. Employees want to feel like they belong at their organizations. They want to continuously grow and develop. Um, you know, these are very common things and we don't as leaders address those as often because they don't seem to be on fire types of issues, we're, we're too busy with day-to-day -day things that seem really important. Um, so the first thing really to do is to just understand the perspective of our team members and make sure we're meeting their needs. Uh, every individual is different, every team is different, um, and really understanding each person is important. Now that does take some time. Um, and that is part of the role of being a leader, uh, particularly when there are direct reports. So a, a managerial role is incredibly important to have this skill, yet we don't often hire for managers that connect with people and a one-on-one -on -one level to truly understand them and help them feel understood. So that connection is really important um, and really important, Sarah, that they connect with the workers. And I, you're right, that's often overlooked in, in these um, interviews that are conducted. So that's definitely a skill that we'd want to look out for, especially during these times. And you know, I was reading a research paper the other day, Sarah, which said that um, top teams that work together toward a common vision are 1.9 times more likely to deliver above the median financial performance, right? So when everybody's on the same page, you know, the results can be doubled, right? Yes, yet this is Absolutely. hard to achieve, you know, based on your experience in the field, what do you think are the top mistakes that organizations make that affect talent optimization? That's a great question. I'd, I'd say the biggest one is that senior leaders are very busy and they're focused on strategy and they have so many things that they're juggling that we often forget that if we change strategic direction um, or if we um, want people to come along with some sort of change in the organization, we really forget to rally people around that change, mm -hmm. helping them see the vision and helping them understand the strategies to get there 
and bringing it right back down to the level where each person understands what their part is in this new strategy. And when people can really relate their day-to-day work to the progress of the organization, um, they will take more initiative. They will make decisions perhaps differently than they have in the past with the future in mind. But if they don't have a clear picture of the vision or an understanding of the strategies, people will simply do the things they've always done, which is not going to get a new result. And you are so correct. And we spoke about this in the last podcast that we had, that you know CEOs are busy fighting fires. They probably don't have a COO that can help them. So they're not able to translate that vision or to to even have time to vision that persons can come along with them. So there is this this disconnect. So it's really important that we have the right structure and systems in place Mm -hmm. and to continue that dialogue, that connection, that engagement that you spoke of earlier so that persons can be a part of that vision and the changes that happen. And they are happening quite frequently these days so <laughs> that means our communication yeah. is going yeah. to have to be on point, right? <laughs> it, it definitely does. And, you know, there, there are a few other things that um, are commonly overlooked that, you know, when I say them, it's not going to be a surprise, but it's, it's really important, you know, when we are creating you know, processes or when we are changing them, involving the right people, truly spending time thinking about who the stakeholders are. Mm -hmm. And often that means people that are very connected to the work. You know, one example that I see over and over again is that there will be a pain point in an organization within one particular division or department or unit. And it will become painful enough that they will decide to address it and change a process. Mm -hmm. They'll be so relieved that they have their solution and they are going to be good partners in the organization. So they will enthusiastically share that they've found their pain point and they'll tell everyone about it with presentations and Q&A sessions. But what they won't do is understand how that other department or or business unit is impacted by the changes that they've made. And by not including all of the right people to provide the right input, uh, they might create more harm um, than what they intended because they were really trying to fix a pain point. And so figuring out exactly who the right people are to be a part of creating processes or uh, changing something that exists uh, makes a very significant difference because you know people have very relevant and valuable insights they generally want to share um, and and we really need to take a change management perspective with that and you're 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 so right and change management is a key area in terms of building operational resilience or building talent optimization within your organization, very key to manage that change and, uh, or, or to you know, really look at how it's impacting your organization and the people and to bring them along with that. And it's ever more so needed and that communication and you know, that connection, that engagement is gonna be critical. And I, I like how you brought out the point of the connections with the other um, departments because it, it's it's you know you think about an organization as different systems are you know coming together to create one you know 
goal or create to, to achieve that vision. So if you are operating in silos, it's, it's going to really not be a good thing. And especially when you're talking about optimization, you have to look at the interconnectivity between everyone because bottlenecks do move. And we have to remember that there will always be a bottleneck, right? Yeah. And you don't yeah. want to create a bigger one. <laughs> so we have to bear this in mind. And by having that dialogue, um, when I, I worked in Japan for a little bit as a consultant um, and training there as well in the Kaizen methodologies and principles. And one of the things they would always tell you is go to Gemba right gemba is the shop floor gemba is where everything happens where the rubber hits the road and that's where everybody is is aware of where, where the problems are what needs to be done so we can't sit in our office <laughs> and try to figure things out we go and talk to the people and see what's happening go and see and then we can make great changes you know to to bring up bring about optimization so thank you so much. Uh, and and operationally, yeah, operationally, it matters so much. And, and what's really interesting is um, getting that insight is, is phenomenal, making the right changes. Uh, we spend so much time thinking about what the changes need to be to the systems or the processes, uh, but there's a whole layer of work after that related to the people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one example is, you know, you, let's say you're spending time on the floor, you're understanding, you're getting the relevant input from mm -hmm. the right people. Right. A lot of your energy goes into creating the right solution that's operationally going to create the change that you mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. um, and then we think, oh, we've got it the work is done, but really the work has only just begun because yes. whatever will be implemented, you now have to look at all of the people involved and make sure you've reset expectations accordingly. Or for most organizations, they're not really setting expectations well to begin with. And we often think with something like this, so it goes without saying that once we make this change, people will, will follow it. Um, people will do what it is they need to do to come in line with this new process or system that we've just created. And that's not what I've observed. Um, yeah. And so it's really about going back to the, the drawing board with expectations and making sure that people understand both what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it. And um, bringing in metrics where we can always. Um, and that kind of relates more to the what. And we, we tend to over-focus on that. The what is incredibly important. I would never um, say it's secondary, but at the same time that we're helping people understand what it is they're supposed to be doing, it's so important to help them see how they're supposed to be doing it. And that's when they'll really begin to perform differently is understanding both the what and the how that go together. So, you know, you just said a whole ton just now, right? A lot of gems were <laughs> we in We unpacked that, that a little bit? Yeah, man. <laughs> I hope everybody got those points, right? So you just kind of broke down the anatomy of successful talent optimization in that little bit there. So it goes beyond just the data collection and analysis, but there is also an action and a sustenance piece towards it, right? We have to ensure that we are also measuring, right? That's critical, right? And I'm happy that you spoke of, of metrics. 
So um, what, what are some of these key metrics that persons would, would, would want to like keep in mind? It really depends on what type of organization you have and what type of role someone is in for each individual person as we look at, at all the talent available to us. Uh, metrics have to be very relevant to them individually something within their control. Um, I am a big fan of doing both individual and team-based metrics where people uh, know that they can't solely control it on their own, but they are part of a team that together can make something happen. Um, and as well as, as with individuals, it really just depends on what their role is. Um, but what I have experienced is when you assign a number or a range that really creates clarity. And when things aren't going well, mm. you can spend time trying to talk to the employee about what they need to do differently. Um, but if they have a range or if they have a target or a goal, some number related to the work that they do, um, and they're clear on it right from the beginning, instead of spending time trying to talk to them about how they're doing or what they're doing, the conversation changes. If they're clear on their metrics, ultimately they know when they are on track or off track. And so the first conversation isn't you trying to diagnose as a leader. It is actually them and you both knowing things are off track and, and getting straight to the solutions they're offering because they're closer to the work. And, and so it's, it's whether it's individual or it's team-based, um, specific to the work that they do. And, and you know, if, if it's a manufacturing organization, those metrics will look really different than a professional services organization. So it really just depends on the work. So I, I really love that, Sarah, because what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that if we are, you know, manage this, managing this process in terms of our talent optimization and having those systems and metrics in, in place for that, that we could actually be working on the business and not in the business. So we wouldn't be telling them, okay, you need to do this or do that, but they can self-diagnose and, you know, know, okay, I need to adjust myself without you having to come in and tell them. And it allows you more time to work on strategy and implementing that strategy, which is Definitely. excellent, which is excellent. Right. And, um, you know, continuing on that, that, that trend of thought, right? Uh, when, you, when we look at the, the group within our organizations, you know, group dynamics can diminish the effectiveness, effectiveness of teams and processes. And, you know, talent, there is a link between talent and culture. So it, it kind of goes beyond engagement and it's linked to, to the values. Have, have you found that to be true and how does that impact, you know, your organizational design and how you design your, op, your talent optimization systems? And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I, I think that one of the first things I look at in any organization that I come into is their values and their culture. And it's so interesting what you begin to see when you look at the organization as a whole, sometimes there are no values evident. Sometimes you have to look more deeply, um, but in all of these opportunities, I'm 
continuously looking around for evidence of what the values are. How do they demonstrate that? And what really is the culture? And, and what's interesting, especially as it relates to operational success and the talent um, that's so important to that is there are norms never stated in, in the organization's Absolutely. values, but there are norms about operations. There are norms about systems and processes that are very much unspoken. Um, you know, I, I spent some time with an organization that really valued its senior team members, mm-hmm. and they were all individual contributors. Mm-hmm. Um, the organization had a lot of, of operational processes in place, but there was an unspoken norm that longtime employees could do their own thing. They worked differently than standard processes. They didn't document things and they didn't have to meet deadlines necessarily. Um, And it was harmful on a number of levels because newer team members would step into work that a more seasoned person had started and they couldn't make sense of it because it hadn't been done the way that they had been trained to do. And there was no documentation to give them insight into why they were stepping into the the situation. They had no trail to follow. And what's really interesting is so often we want to leverage those veteran employees. Uh, We want them to train and mentor our new team members. But if they're not willing to, to, follow standard processes, um, do, do we think that they're actually going to train our new employees properly? Uh, no, you know, they'll, they'll show the new employees how they do it. Um, and then it really becomes confusing because it conflicts with the formal training that they've had. And so these cultural norms that kind of just happen based on behavior, it's really very much up to leaders to address that and to understand what's happening in the organization. And and there's a lot of of really fun ways to, to kind of address situations like that, or if no situation exists, to simply optimize and make the best of it. So one example uh, that I would give you is, is look at uh, whether you're rewarding the behavior for strong process implementation and maintenance, uh, whether people are working in line with the systems that have been established. It's a really, it's a big missed opportunity if as leaders, we aren't calling out the talent that brings operations to life. You know, when you shine the spotlight on great work, people can see what great looks like and they will do more of it. And so that's a, a really important opportunity. And, and as as much as that's important, um, equally as challenging is your reward system might be working against your operations if you reward people that don't fall in line with the processes the way they need to. Boy, <clears throat> that's another mouthful just there a while ago, Sarah. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. I love so much of what you just said, bringing operations to life, right? I, and I have seen this where, you know, you have very talented um, employees and they love what they do. They have been doing it for years. And you have a COO that is new to the organization and he's rearing and ready or she's rearing and ready to go. But the two are not connected where you can achieve that operational success. 
and you just unpack why this may be so, right? Um, the, 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 the culture um, uh, needs to be changed. And that's gonna take a bit of time and effort, diligent effort for that to be done. And you just shared a great way, which is looking at what we are rewarding because sometimes we don't recognize that and that we may be fueling the behaviors that we don't want within the organization. So we have to pay attention to that. So thank you for, for really sharing us that link, Sarah. Another thing that I am seeing is, you know, right now agility is something that, the need for agility is something that is critical in business, right? So you need, we need to look at combining speed, those dynamic elements with stability, those that remain constant. So there, you know, there's a balancing act that's needed. How does talent optimization, you know, how, how can it be you know, new, evolving, you know, to help with building operation resilience, especially now with these changing situations? And we've had more of that than ever uh, these these last couple of years, and so I'm I'm I think that's probably the most timely question, right? And and one of the things that you know, as a COO, when you come into an organization, you're looking at so much. This is a role with great breadth. It's it's different in every organization, yeah. but recognizing the role of people is incredibly important and. When we get down to this equation of, of what makes an organization agile um, and, and what makes an organization resilient, the people are a huge part of that formula. And a lot of times leaders, and, and this isn't just at the, the most senior leadership level of the COO, it's every line of manager that has people responsibilities. Um, we tend to look at people for what they are today and for what they do today. And we often need to take a different look. My preference is to look at people and see what's possible, even if they don't see it yet. And that is understanding where someone has a tremendous amount of energy and passion and feeling that, or where a skill set was very quickly adopted. And the, the next question is, what more can they do? constantly giving people um, more challenges and greater development, it actually only helps them feel more uh, satisfied, growing, invested in by their organizations. And so as leaders of people, you know, looking at our team members and constantly seeing what's possible with them, um, even if they don't see it, um, it can have a big impact on where the organization can go. It's very easy with all that, that we're juggling day to day to just focus on getting through each day. That's more of a survival mentality. There really needs to be a thriving mentality where we are thinking about the skills that are needed next and how to build them now and giving people um, an incentive to want to grow and develop and to help them feel like what they're doing as they take on new skills, as they learn more and grow, is an important part of the evolving organization. I just and it helps with retention. It helps yes. with retention, no matter what you do, investing in your people and, and helping them grow 
keeps them in the seat. So it's really important seeing potential. You know, it's great when an employee comes to you and says, I have these three unutilized skills. What can we do with them? We need as many skills as we can get. That's where that agility comes from, being able to to take skill sets and plug them in a little differently and quickly. Um, But people aren't always going to come to us and say, these are things that I can do. It's up to us to really look deeply at the people and understand what potential they have and start to fuel that even if the need isn't burning right now. Because sometimes they don't even see it in themselves and you on the outside will see, hey, that, you know, you're pretty creative. Have you thought of doing X? Or I see you're great with your hands or you're good with technology. Um, There is this, you know, IT or, or digital awareness session coming up that I think that would be great for you to expand on that. So those are the kind of things I, I really love that. Look at what's possible and what's next for the organization and who can take us there because retention is a big part of optimization. We, we spoke about um, the, on the, you know, getting in the talent, right? Engaging the talent and retaining the talent. But suppose they're, they're, you know, in, in where you're headed as an organization, there are some persons that are not agile or don't want to, to change with the organization. How does the organization deal with those situations that, um, you know, you know, you're looking at optimizing your talent and they don't want to be optimized? <laughs> there are definitely people like that. And, and in my experience, experience with a variety of different organizations, there's actually a place for people who have have their skill sets and they, they have their sweet spot and, and maybe their growth uh, potential isn't as, as big as someone else's. Um, and maybe they simply don't want to, to grow or change. Uh, that only becomes an issue when the change is so necessary that what they've formerly done no longer needs to to happen. And and with team members like that, um, if that's the type of change that's happening, they have to come along or it's not going to be a fit anymore. But in most instances, there are roles that that are actually well-suited for people who are just very rigid in process. They execute and there's no more to it. Um, There's often a place for individuals like that. So we just have to look deeply and see what what would be a good fit for them at this Mm -hmm. particular time. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. And and another continuing on that thought of agility and operational resilience is the whole matter of innovation. And how do we get that going within organizations? Because that's gonna help with the, you know, with with what's happening and these frequent disruptions that are affecting businesses today. So how do we bring that innovation link into the whole talent optimization process? Innovation is such a fun topic in any context, but when it relates to talent, it's, you know, there's never an end to this topic. Uh, It looks different every time I talk about it. We want to create a situation where innovation isn't a thing. It's not a one-day retreat where it's not a quarterly conversation. We want to have an environment or culture where innovation is simply part of how we work so that Mm -hmm. someone can bring up a change or an idea, whether it's big or whether it's small. We want 
there to be an open door to having those conversations. Now, here's where that gets challenging. A lot of leaders tend to put that off because when team members bring ideas to them, they often have a very narrow scope of focus. Mm -hmm. They know their job. They don't know all of the other roles or all the other systems that are interdependent. And so a COO wanting to create that culture definitely has a a bit of a push-pull. They certainly want people to be innovative, but they don't want ideas coming forward that are not well thought out or that are narrow um, and don't take into consideration the full range. So how this typically plays out is you'll get someone who's bold and has an idea and says, we should do X. Well, to them, it's a great idea because they don't quite understand the breadth of all that's happening in the organization. Mm -hmm. A COO might look at that and say, oh, that's never going to work because of this, this, and this. Done. Move on. That ends up stifling the innovation that leaders want to see. And so it's really important to be cognizant of that dynamic. We want people to be comfortable putting forward ideas, but they also have to know when you put forward an idea, you have an obligation to have thought about it and researched it, understand um, what are the costs involved. That's a big one. A lot of people like to have ideas and share them, but not be aware of what it could cost. Um, Have them thinking about what's the return. And and it's easy to create a simple form that's when someone's got an idea, they need to cover these five different topics and think them through. And then they can put forward that idea. Leadership then has an obligation to have a process to, to take a look at those and follow up with, we're going to explore this we're going to shelf it, but it's a great idea, but it's it's not for now. Um, or, you know, this is something that we can't look into and these are the reasons why and close that loop of, of innovation if that's what needs to happen. Um, so it's, it's actually, if we just think about it a little bit, we can go really far creating that culture um, and, and helping people feel empowered, but doing it the right way. I, I, I agree with you totally on that. And you know, I have seen it work and actually I've helped organization to do the same, organizations to do the same wherein you create that system of suggestions, right? And having that format, that template, that these, and it, keep it simple, right? Nothing um, extravagant. This is an idea. This is, as is rightly said, these are the cost. This is what would be involved. This is what the outcome would be, you know, so, you know, something very simple and to have that, uh, where the, that system where it's addressed and you empower them to go ahead and implement the, the you know, create their teams and, 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 um, implement the action and the results are phenomenal. The morale, the engagement, everything is taken care of as it relates to talent when that, when that happens. And the savings and the, 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 you know, just the lessons learned are sometimes even transferable to other um, businesses within a group, for example. So the, the multiply effect kicks in. So it's, it's, it works, ladies and gentlemen, listening in. Um, so you definitely need to try it, especially now where you we don't have all the answers and we really need to engage persons to help us through these times. And this is a good way of doing that. Thank you yeah, for and sharing. I'd, yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to, to hear your experience, but what I've seen as one of the, the really 
cool ripple effects, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if you've seen it as well, is when there is just a short form with maybe a few things to think through and fill out, um, it weeds out the people that just want to, to shoot off ideas and walk away and let someone else deal with them. Um, that the act that you have to be committed enough to spend five minutes to fill out a form, um, that weeds out a number of people. But also those who take the time to fill out the form, it really helps their uh, their process of analysis yes. of understanding what's helpful to the organization and what's exactly. not. And exactly. I've seen team members grow in their ability to understand um, what changes are helpful, what changes are risky, what it might take for them to be successful. Have you seen that as well? Absolutely. It really gives persons an entire systems view and, and not have them that narrow focus on this is what I do and this is only what I do, but to look at how it impacts everything else, right? And how to, for them to think about as well, how can I make my job easier, right? Because that's the win for me as well. But, you know, there's also the benefit of, um, you know, as you mentioned, that reward system being in place where there's an additional benefit where the company rewards that kind of behavior and it, it, it is propelled throughout the organization. And so you have that kind of energy that, that is, is going through the organization. And I found that is a good way to change the culture and to have persons focusing on a more positive experience rather than focus on everything that's happening and what's going wrong. We are now looking at things that are going right and you know things that we are in control of, which is huge as it relates to group dynamics, engagement, morale, motivation, retention, the works. So <laughs> I am there with you on that. Yeah, well, and, and there's those, those big questions that keep everybody up at night right now is, is like we said in the very beginning, bringing people into the organization and keeping them there. Um, if employees that are there are engaged, they help draw in more talent. And if they are engaged, they want to stay because they have a opportunities to grow and progress in their careers. Uh, and it, so at the end of the day, it's, it's paying attention to a lot of these details and addressing right. them that's going to solve some of those problems that's uh, causing a lot of sleepless nights for CEOs and COOs out there. Exactly. And there's a quote that I like, that when a flower doesn't bloom, we have to look at the soil. So, you know, this is a good opportunity, you know, to look at you know what we need to fix, you know where are some of the areas that I can improve on, and I think we have highlighted a number of areas in this discussion where persons can look into to really um, see you know where they can add a little water and to fertilize it, fertilizer here, and to see you know if it's getting enough sun, and to allow for that growth, that bloom that we want, that thriving that we spoke about, Sarah, you know, in, within our organization. So I want to, to thank you for that. And, you know, it's, we are at the end of our interview right now, uh, but there is one last question I want to ask you, right? That I ask, I ask all my guests. I believe <clears throat> that there is power in the questions that we ask, right? In your career as, you know, you wear so many hats, Sarah, and I don't know how you do it. <laughs> In your career, what's one question that you frequently ask when you're working with teams or organizations to get that, that 
to get to dig deep and get the best outcomes? You know, one of the questions that I love to ask when I'm working with teams is particularly leadership teams. Right. I like to ask them a simple question and it can vary by what the, the, the team does. The question of what are your expectations? Mm. And asking a question like that give some really interesting answers. Um, asking a question like, what are your expectations? I, I ask a room full of leaders who have people reporting directly to them and give them a few minutes to think it through, mm-hmm. jot down some answers. I'd love to then have them share back and get an understanding of how wildly different expectations are. Wow. And from one leader to another, the things that they're saying and the things that they're putting emphasis on every day are dramatically different. Mm. And so it's it helps us understand sometimes why people get confused as to what success looks like, because they aren't necessarily all focused on the same set of expectations for how employees need to be a part of an organization. And there's so much room on every leadership team to create more consistency in terms of how they expect employees to to participate in the organization. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's always fun to ask, what are your expectations? Because high performance lives and dies based on communication of expectations, communicated well, um, supported, reinforced, holding people accountable. Um, So as a starting point, when leaders can um, realize how many different uh, impressions they make, Yes. on team members. Uh, it, it's a, a big moment. So many light bulbs go on where they begin to see from the employee's perspective um, that it may not be clear to them what success looks like. And to the extent that, that leaders in an organization can have that consistency about what they truly expect from people. Um, and a lot of times that comes down to the values of the organization, whether they've been internalized and whether they're being role modeled. Um, But it's really neat to see what kind of responses that uh, people give and how they can then come together, realizing that they're not consistent. Awesome question. I can can just imagine hearing those, you know, dynamic views but and then the the, the the responsibility now you know of the team is to see how that can we can narrow that and everyone have you know to, to have that alignment in terms of expectation. So that would be the next step, right, Sarah? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Right. And Alignment where... and, and then accountability. Exactly, exactly. Wow, phenomenal discussion from Sarah, the one who brings systems and growth and visions to life. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. Um, It was- Thanks for having having me. This has been fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope that this was valuable to you. You can reach out to Sarah to learn more about her process of talent optimization and how she helps organization on a whole at her website at www.dot.com.
optimize-advisory.com. That's www.optimize-advisory.com. And if you would like to reach out to me, you can do so at tamar.tamarnelson.com or on LinkedIn at tamar-nelson. And if you would like to be a guest or to share any feedback or suggestions you may have, I'd love to hear from you. Also, please share and subscribe if you found this valuable. And join us next time for another information-packed episode. So until next time, as we say in Jamaica, what good? <laughs>